Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. He drove the green. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg Pickle's done that many times. He just doesn't like to brag about it. And from On3.com, he joins us now. Welcome, sir. Steve, good to be with you. I have not done that, and I have nothing to brag about on the golf course, but I did enjoy the Open yesterday. And, uh, man, Wimbledon in the books and the Open in the books, and that means just one thing, Big Ten media days and a start of Penn State football right around the corner. Well, the SEC is doing its media day right now and uh, down in Atlanta. Greg Sankey, their commissioner, who has a real feel for making the right moves at the right time in a lot of ways, basically didn't call any of the presidents until a week after, so we're not going to panic. So let me ask you, how do you – how you see USC and UCLA. What did you – now, we were all shocked by it, but, you know, what what was your thought the day it happened and what's your thought now? Yeah, you know, it was certainly a fascinating uh, way that the whole process of that worked out. Obviously, it was in the works for much longer than uh, the couple hours between the news breaking that it was going to happen and the official announcement actually coming, but – yeah, certainly I think if you're the Big Ten, you're looking for ways to respond, not just to the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma coming in soon, but just to the changing college landscape in general. And you know what? If you're not first, you're going to be last in this industry. That's always the way it's been. That's always the way it's going to be. So my question then is the same one as now is just that what else is coming? The Big Ten seems content on sitting where it is at the moment, but I just have a very hard time believing, Steve, that by the time – these two schools come to the Big Ten in 2024. There's not going to be some other uh, West Coast or at least Western part of the country teams uh, joining the Big Ten. I just don't think that we're going to see only USC and UCLA be the, the two that are the only ones that are part of this equation. So time will tell there. But certainly it's interesting. I think that if you're USC and UCLA, you're about to find yourself with a whole lot more revenue money from television and everything else. Of course, we know how far the Big Ten is ahead of the Pac-12 in that regard, and obviously the alliance um, is no more, or certainly uh, probably never was. But, yeah, when you really break it down, certainly a major, major change to the uh, college athletics landscape some coming soon, and it's still one that I think we haven't fully wrapped our heads around, Steve, and it's going to take some time before we really see how all this is exactly going to play out. Greg Sankey, though, made an interesting point today, which is the point. The reason the SEC and the Big Ten stand out, and he grouped the two of them together, is that they're the ones that bring value. Is there anybody else other than Notre Dame out there that actually does bring value and increases the number for everybody? You know what? I don't know if there is. I mean, obviously, I think if you looked at the uh, various other Pac-12 options that are out there, uh, I just don't know. You know, maybe a Washington gives you something you don't have, or a Stanford perhaps, but yeah, ultimately, I just don't know if that's the case. And I think the same would be said if you look at the ACC. I mean, of course, you could maybe try and get a uh, you know a school or two down in the southern part of the country, and maybe that expands your footprint more. But look, I mean, the Big Ten Network has made so much money is because it's on so many various uh, you know cable platforms and, and direct and dish and all that across the country on the the, the standard tier. So. You know, how many more places do they have to go to be everywhere on the standards here? You know, I don't know. I don't have that information in front of me, but I certainly think that, you know, when you really look at where the Big Ten has gone over the last number of years since the Big Ten Network existed, you know, there's not too many places left where if you're in a hotel room or if you're at a bar that, you know, you have to have some kind of special package to 
to get Big Ten Network. So I think, you know, of course, Notre Dame and uh, as a place that would add beyond just the TV value. I mean, they would just add so much as a brand themselves. But, yeah, I'm not sure how many other options there are, and I think that's why you see places like Washington and Oregon who clearly seem to want to join the Big Ten find themselves a bit stuck at the moment because the Big Ten has to decide what it wants to do. It, for a long time, you worked very hard on the recruiting end of it. Now, Ryan, obviously, Ryan Snyder does a brilliant job with that. But as you're watching this play out, you know what they recruited last year. You're seeing the verbals they're getting this year. Do, do you feel like Penn State, what kind of job are they doing right now stacking classes, in your opinion? Yeah, about as well as you can do. And, of course, we have, what, six months or so until this class can sign. So, you know, they have opportunity to have more success. And, of course, there's opportunities for, for guys to walk away from this class, like we saw with Marcus Stokes. So I don't really foresee any more of those. You just never – know what's around the corner, especially with the way your season goes and everything else. But, yeah, very good job at this point. I mean, it's it's really impossible to reconcile – not impossible, but, you know, when you match the 11-11 record over the last two years on the field, then you look at the recruiting classes and the one uh, that's coming now, certainly Penn State's recruiting at a, a very high level and maybe some would say maybe better than what their on-field results have shown. But – you know, at the end of the day, it's about first getting those guys to campus. And we already have talked about before, Steve, the number of guys in this class of 2022 who might be immediate year one contributors or maybe be ready as soon as year two and things like that. So you feel really good about where things are there. And you look at this class of 2023 and there's candidates to possibly fill that kind of a role next year as well. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but all told, they are doing a tremendous job of putting classes together back to back to back. And now it's about, as it always was, uh, making it happen on the field. So we'll see how they do with that this fall. But, yeah, you can't knock the recruiting effort at all. They're number eight in the on-three uh, team consensus recruiting rankings. And Alex Birchmeyer is now a five-star on the consensus. Jevin Williams, of course, is an on-three five-star, two offensive linemen, interior guys uh, from uh, Pennsylvania and Virginia. So, I mean, they're doing very good across the board, really, position by position. They don't have a quarterback in this class yet. But beyond that, they have pretty much everything they've – wanted and hoped for and just picked up Tamia Robinson and Tony Rojas, two four-star linebackers. So that really caught things moving on that side of the ball for, uh, for Manny Diaz and his defense. So, yeah, I think they should feel very good about where things are right now and the way they've been going. But, you know, as we always talk about, of course, it's about continuing to stack mm-hmm. classes and then stacking results on the field as well. Right. Uh, next week uh, will be Big Ten media days. James Franklin will be there with uh, Sean Clifford, P.J. Mustaver, Jair Brown. What would be and Kevin Warren? Let's start with Kevin Warren. If you had a chance to sit down and have a one-on-one with Kevin Warren, what would be one of the first one or two things you'd want to ask him? Well, I think the first thing that's going to come up probably immediately, but if not, would just be where they stand with this uh, television deal and what are they going to do now that they have USC and UCLA, and are they going to make kind of a short-term agreement with the idea being that they could go back to the table sooner rather than later with possibly more conferences or things like that, or how are they going to go about this? And really, how serious are they about streaming options, and what do they think about that? I mean, I know that smart TVs and Apple TV and YouTube TV and all these things are becoming more and more uh, part of the normal lexicon and things like that, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I just don't know how many Penn State fans are going to be thrilled if uh, Penn State and, let's just say, Illinois or Rutgers uh, two or three or four years from now ends up as the Big Ten's Apple TV streaming game of the week. <laughs> you can't get it on Comcast or DirecTV, you know. So 
I'm very curious about that. And that really is something that obviously I think, look, I think all sports leagues, some more than others, but all of them ultimately are going to go this direction. But, you know, how, who does it affect? I mean, does it affect your, you know, you, uh, there's a disproportionate number of schools uh, that play the Friday night games in the Big mm-hmm. Ten. And that's right. because you don't want to put your biggest draws there necessarily. You're trying to create a buzz. So does that same thing happen with streaming where, you know, maybe a Northwestern or an Illinois or a Rutgers or whatever, you know, they play more of those streaming games than your Penn State's, Ohio State's, and Michigan. I, you know, I'd be very curious to see how that plays out. All right. All right, so James Franklin is also going to be there with Jair, Sean, and PJ. So what would be one or two questions you'd like to get the ball rolling with them? Yeah, so I think the the first thing, and it goes to Franklin and obviously TJ Mustafer to an extent, but where are they at with both Mustafer and Adisa Isaac in terms of their health and availability heading into the 2022 season? I mean, are both of those guys expected to be ready from day one? Or are they going to maybe have to sort of wean them into the season and maybe have a snap count early with hopes of getting rid of that quickly? You know, where do they stand there? What is the expectation there? I think that is, you know, arguably a, a enormous question for this program because, you know, their defensive line is being retooled a little bit. They need all those guys to be ready, healthy, and ready to go from day one. Will they be? Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. So I think that certainly is one. And then uh, beyond that, you know, we've hit on a lot of things so far this offseason, be it. Sean Clifford back for another season or Mike Yurfich, uh, you know, in the second season of his tenure here at Manny Diaz is obviously here. I think one thing that'd be interesting to me is where do they feel like they're at with the install after spring practice of Manny Diaz's defense? And we've heard a lot of confidence about what they're going to be able to do with uh, this new defense and with his, his scheme and things like that. But it's one thing to say, it's another thing to do it. So, how much more time do they need in camp to get to that stage where they're comfortable and confident and happy with where things are heading into the opener at Purdue? So I think I'd probably focus most of the time, Steve, on defense because obviously the offense, we know a fair amount of the guys back and we know that there's some newcomers there and we can always talk until we're blue in the face about what will the offensive line be like. But ultimately, um, you know, there's a lot of questions on defense too and things to figure out there as well. Yeah, I mean, no, no question. Any other coach that in this conf- in this conference you look at, and go, well, I'd like to ask him a couple of questions, and who would that be, and what would it be? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to sit down with PJ Fleck to talk about the fact that Kirk Scirocco was gone for a season, and now is back as his right. offensive coordinator, or two seasons, I guess it was, but was at Penn State for a year, and then spent last year as what an analyst at West Virginia, I guess. So I'd be curious about how that reunion came to be. I don't think it's very common in this sport to see things like that happen where you leave a school and then go back to it under the same leadership of the head coach only a few years later. So that would be interesting to me. You know, I'm curious to hear Jeff Brown's take on this Thursday night opener. Obviously it's different for both programs. They get to host the game. So what excites them about that or what concerns do they have about that? Uh, I had a Penn State Purdue on September 1. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of interesting coaches around this conference, and you can sit there and kind of pick the brains of many of them for a few hours each day during Big Ten media days, which is always good. But, yeah, if you maybe pick one or two, I think I'd probably start there. And, you know, you can always get into the hardballs and days of the world, but I think we all know what we're getting at this point with those guys. What do you think of the Thursday night opener? It's interesting. Um I mean, I think from a fan perspective, they should be excited about it because you get to see Penn State football a little bit earlier than you otherwise would have. And they're going to be the national TV game and all that. I mean, I know that we're so used to the traditional Saturday game, but 
you know, we're, we're, we've seen more and more changes, whether it's the big noon kickoff and, you know, your best games used to be in primetime and now they're at noon if they're on Fox. And, you know, we've seen some different dates and things like that, especially around the first week of the season. We always see some unique dates. So I think it's a showcase opportunity for Penn State to be on national TV, on the road, in the opener. Uh, and you have a chance to set your season off on a really good starting foot, obviously, but then also uh, showcase the recruits who are, in those cases, not playing high school football on Thursday night, and they're playing Friday or Saturday, of course. So you might have some more eyeballs tuned into you than you otherwise would just because of the timing of when you play. So I think it's a good opportunity. I know it's, again, unique and certainly something that I know some fans probably just hate and will never find any good reason to like it or any good reasons (laughs) about it. But I think there can be some positive that come out of this for Penn State. But at the end of the day, as we all, you know, as we all know, it comes down to whether or not you win that game and and your season, the tone of it kind of goes from there. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, They also hate the noon kickoffs. They don't want, you know, they don't want noon. Yeah, that's not a big fan favorite either, no. No, I mean, they don't want noon kickoffs either. You reference smart TV, but to your credit, you've made the show smart radio. So thank you. Appreciate it very much. All right, Steve. Always good to be on with you, and we will see you in just a couple weeks, I'm sure. Greg Pickle on 3.com. Blue Wood Illustrated.